You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor. From Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak to Dr. Corinne Bump about her pursuit for higher education, how education has impacted her career path, and how it relates to the equine industry. Dr. Corinne Bump is a passionate educator and change agent with a career trajectory, including work in higher education, industry, and the not-for-profit sector. She has held frontline, middle management, and executive roles, along with service as an invited speaker, facilitator, and trainer for other organizations. Her specialty areas are in business entrepreneurship and development, equine behavior and welfare, equine experiential education, educational assessment and program review, grant writing, and policy development. Dr. Bump has had significant impacts in the state of New York. She has worked for Cornell Cooperative Extension, where she implemented Cornell in the Classroom Initiative for CCE of Madison County. She was chair of the Casanova College faculty for three terms of service. During her time at Casanova College, she developed the Bachelor of Professional Studies degree in equine business management. She is the co-founder of Saddle Up New York, Equine Academics and Equine Education Network, and founder of National Association of Equine Academics. Are you an industry professional who has thought about writing a book? Bookending your business enhances credibility and creates powerful marketing opportunities. In-course publishing can bring your expertise to the printed page. As a hybrid publishing company, we partner with our authors through editing, designing, printing, and distribution. Don't leave opportunity on the shelf. Bookend your business today and let us bring your book into the unique arena of the equestrian market. Visit our website, incoursepublishing.com, to download a free PDF to help get you started. So we're really excited to have you on the show today. Um, I know we've met a couple of times, but had you on a panel at the Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular. Um, and you know, from there, we got more interested in the topic of higher education in the industry and how people could benefit from it. So we'd love to talk more about that and, um, you know, what you see, what you've seen and, and what you think could be best for people. So uh, we're happy to get right into it. Um, so um, what made you to pursue uh, higher education? Obviously, you're a doctor. <laughs> in front of it. So you've gone through some school and um, what made you pursue it? Yeah. Um, so thanks for having me on. I uh, really enjoy uh, connecting with both of you and the Saratoga um, event was was lovely and I appreciate the stuff you're doing with women in business. Uh, so for me, uh, it, it's sort of an interesting story I like to share. Um, I was not a great high school student. I was, you know, a, a B-ish kind of student, was very active in lots of things, um, but was not, uh, certainly was not a bookworm. My parents wondered what they would do with me, I think is the story <laughs> they told me later on in life. Um, and uh, I really had to um, push to get accepted into the University of Illinois and did not know what I wanted to study. I knew, I it's sort of ironic, I knew I, I did not want to work with people. And I wanted to work with animals. And at the time, uh, so this was quite some time ago, um, 
veterinary, it was like it was veterinary or working in a barn were the only two things people thought of with horses. And there was like no way I was going to get into veterinary school. And at that time, it was largely men and you had to come from a farm, you know, very different than it is today. So um, by the skin of my chinny chin chin, I got accepted into the University of Illinois in, of all things, ornamental horticulture. It was the only program I could get accepted in. It had the lowest of the requirements for the <laughs> University of Illinois. Uh, my guidance counselor wrote a, please, we think she's got potential kind of letter. And, uh, and they accepted me. Um, and, you know, I went to college because that's what my sister did. And that's what my parents said, thou shall do. And um, my life really changed when I took a general animal science course that was required. And a woman stood up who um, had a PhD in equine nutrition, and she taught a section on horses. And I went up to her afterwards and said, um, I want to change, you know, I would love to have you as my advisor and change my major. Mm-hmm. And so I called home and my dad said, well, Plunkin, what do you think you're going to do with that? <laughs> he said, yeah. you know, I don't know, but I'm, I know I'm going to be happy, dad. And, um, and that was really the start of, of that for me. So my entry into my bachelor's degree program was really, a, you know, this is just what you're going to do. And then my um, what really flipped the lid for me was that class and that particular pass uh, that particular professor. And then as far as a master's degree, um, she was a very strong mentor for me. Um, and she started having me help with some labs and help with some classes. And then um, I did some teaching assistant stuff and realized I actually really liked that. And she thought I was good at it. And, and so we started talking about a master's degree. I loved the research piece. Um, and so I continued it in my master's with her. And through that, realized, uh, did a lot of graduate teaching. In fact, that's how my master's was paid for, was mm-hmm. through a graduate assistantship. And um, and then uh, I didn't really want to pursue it. I knew I wanted to get a PhD, but I didn't know what I wanted to get it in. Um, and so uh, she was actually moving from Illinois to Kentucky, and I was finishing up my master's degree and uh, got a great job, started applying for uh, teaching positions. At that point, you could still do that with a master's degree and not a PhD um, and uh, got a, a great job, which I thought I would you know, do a couple years and go to, back to big institution and stayed there for 28 years, um, mm. fell in love with the students. So during my time there, um, I got really involved in um, volunteer kinds of things because I came from a land grant institution where, you know, the mission is we give back, you know, we do these things, it's larger, the community is larger than just, you know, your network. But I went to a small private college, but I always had a big, you know, uh, big industry kind of perspective, got very involved with the New York Farm Bureau, New York State Horse Council, probably even more so with Farm Bureau, started doing some leadership with stuff with that, um, got involved with um, policy agenda, policy setting, working with legislators, working with Albany, and loved it. And so from that, then decided that I wanted to go um, and do my PhD work at uh, the University of Albany, where they knew nothing about horses, <laughs> but I found um, after a number of interviews with folks, found a great group of people that uh, understood what I was trying to do 
and uh, saw how horses could be part of it. So my PhD is actually in higher education and policy studies. So I did a um, sort of a very unique kind of combination there. And the motivation for that was really self-motivation. So, you know, my bachelor's degree was pretty much thou shalt do it. My master's degree was a natural trajectory. And then the PhD was a Nobody, I mean, I was already a tenured full professor at that time, had been at the institution for a long time, um, but I, I really had a hunger to do some research in, in, in that particular area. And so that would, that's what motivated me. So it's a very long, probably going to need to like cut some of that somewhere, but it's a <laughs> sort of a long um, trajectory of kind of thinking about, you know, what, what that path was to higher ed. Mm-hmm. I- I think it's really interesting because um, it seems like you you really you really grew throughout the process, right? Especially coming from being a kid who wasn't great in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think helped you grow, or was it that class? Was it that teacher? You know, you said that kind of flipped the switch. But was there anything else? So motivation is huge. And so for me, the motivation became the horses. So absolutely, that was the difference. And. Um, and that professor was huge. I mean, had she not responded the way that she was, had she not taken me under her wing, I, I, I don't know where I would be with that. Um, so uh, education definitely changed me uh, as an undergraduate student. Um, once I knew that graduate school was an option for me, I became much more motivated in studying to get the grades to get there. So I, I appreciate the challenge. You know, and mm-hmm. and the challenge that is one that um, in some way you agree to. You're like, this is a challenge that's in front of me. I, I want to accept it and move along and kind of do that. Um, and, and of course, teaching was huge. That really changed um, changed me and thinking of how I taught, thought about things, how I explained things. I loved, found out that I loved helping the students and that kind of nurturing piece um, and then, of course, my analytical skills from doing research you know, really changed as well. Mm-hmm. Then I would say my PhD had the most change in me um, professionally and personally. The level of work at the PhD level from a critical thinking, problem solving, communication, designing your own research, really digging into literature, thinking very differently um, about everything that that you're looking at and what that means and what could it mean a uh, huge difference it's in it's it's so interesting how that one teacher can change things for people right like oh yeah <laughs> it really totally. yeah right how they're they're for the grace of god go on kind of thing you know, you think what would i do if it wasn't that or i often i also think about the parent piece um, you know, my father said, what are you going to do? But I'll support you. Um, had they said, no, you're, you know, you're not going to do that. Um, that would have been dramatically different. And so I used, you know, as a college professor for years, I talked about that a lot. And, you know, when parents and um, would meet with me and they'd often say, you know, what, what is my son or daughter going to do with this degree? Uh, we know they're passionate about it. And, and being able to share my own story and then talk about just the amazing opportunities there are in the equine industry. But the key is you have to be motivated. 
You, mm-hmm. you have to find your passion and be motivated. And then when there's blocks, it's sort of like horses, right? If you block their, any one of their natural behaviors, you're going to end up with problems. You're going to end up with, in all kinds of different ways they express it. Well, I, I really believe that in, in people too. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of background did you have with the horses prior to going to school? How involved were you? Very little. So I was a horse crazy kid. Um, my parents, when I was young, of course, I was, you know, my very first drawing, I still have it. My, my mom kept it all, my very first like scribble drawing is a horse. I have it framed. It was like that was, <laughs> you know, it came out with that. Um, crazy about did not grow up on a farm, grew up in an agricultural community, but my dad was an engineer. My mom was a school teacher. I was just an animal crazy kid. Um, they decided to, to you know, um, take me to a dude ranch in Arkansas for a family vacation. And it was over. I mean, it was like, (laughs) you know, pouring rain, you know, as long as I didn't cancel the riding the horses, my mom was out there in a raincoat. I mean, I was just every single moment, horses, horses, horses. Um, And so then through high school, I, you know, through just talking to people, talking to people, talking to people, who's got a horse, who can I ride, who do you know, I'll clean stalls, I'll groom, just let me be around them kind of thing. Um, So I think my friends knew I was horse crazy, but I was much more likely to pursue a degree in photography or um, I played the flute. That was a big part of my, Hmm. um, both of those things. So, you know, it never occurred to me that I could have a career in horses. I just knew that's what I was crazy about. So. When you, um, you said that you were a tenured professor already when you went to get your doctorate, I think mm-hmm. um, one of the things that probably keeps a lot of people from pursuing, uh, you know, degrees is the fact that they have to work and they think they don't have the time or the money um, to go to school on top of that. And we were wondering, you know, what kind of options you think working people have to pursue higher education and, and you know, how do you navigate that with the cost and the expense of it versus mm-hmm. having to make a living and pay your bills? Yeah, yeah very, very real um, issues of that. And even at a bachelor's degree level now, you know, I mean, colleges, yeah. you know, we've got we certainly have a crisis when it comes to college expenses, for sure. Um, so for for me, um, I w- I think the key thing is making sure that that you're that you know what you're doing when you're going to school. <laughs> so I think mm. as an undergraduate, I always you know encourage students to explore a variety of things uh, because that one class changed my life. Right, that one mm-hmm. professor. Um, so I always encourage that. But if you're if you already are employed or you're have been employed and now you're not employed, right. Or you're, you know, you're in between and trying to figure those out, then going back to school has to be very purposeful. Mm. And so I already, you know, I was secure. I was, had, had been there for, I forget how many years before I went to pursue my PhD. Um, I already had a, a pretty, I figured things out in terms of uh, my classes and my committee work and my organization and stuff. And so you sort of just have to pick and choose. I mean, you know, any 
hands-on stuff with horses totally went away. Um, you know, my time is, is, was not spent doing that kind of stuff. So whatever free, free time <laughs> or recreational time I would have had, you know, the switch for that was college coursework, but I also, you know, picked away at it. Um, in fact, I started, um, I took classes in a couple different degree programs at a couple other colleges before I decided what I really was going to do my PhD in, um, you know, just to test it out. What's a course here and a course here. And then for the most part, I took two courses um, in my PhD work um, a semester and then did my research. So the, the, um, you know, the timing there in terms of any balance is, you know, you got to give something up to, to push that in. So it has to be worth it enough that you don't resent it. Yeah. And interesting enough that you're motivated for it. Right. And I think, you know, if people research enough, there's a way to look into scholarships or grants or financing yeah. in a way that it won't put you completely in debt. <laughs> yeah. Think. That's, that's so, such so a that's concern. Part, it, it is. And so that's part of that balancing piece is, is you've got to be a realistic because there's an awful lot of people, if you, if you look at the PhD piece, there's an awful lot of people that get to what's considered ABD, which is all but dissertations. So they do all mm -hmm. their coursework, but they never do their dissertation. And so you've really just thrown away, thrown away money. I mean, you know, you, mm -hmm. you're just hanging out there. Um, so you've, you, and the dissertation is a place that requires the most self-motivation. Yeah. Um, so, and, and even with a master's degree, I mean, the nice thing now, and I think COVID again has really changed so much of it is there are many online options. Right. The downfall of that is you need to be really careful about which online options you choose. Um, right. What is the purpose? How much value is in that degree? Um, is it from a reputable place? What kind of support are you going to get? So, you know, it's, gets a little, you know, uh, it can get a little bit iffy out there. But from a graduate program, you know, I have any number of students who got their bachelor's degree um, when I was a professor and then have gotten probably the MBA is, or that it's probably one of the most popular ones from what our curriculum was. And, you know, you can take a course or two at a time. So it's, hmm. you know, it's planning those things out. And before long, you're there, you just have to start. And um, any number of places now, um, again, depending on what kind of area you're in, but if you're in like a nutrition or pharmaceutical position or something that's in a more traditional kind of business position versus hands-on, um, you know, you may find that there are not only scholarships available, but, um, you know, your employer may be willing to offset some of that or reduce some of your load because professional development is yeah, your you, the skills you're getting should in fact enhance the position that you're doing. Right. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I worked at Blue Chip Farms, I did a lot of um, the pharmaceutical stuff, like medicating the babies. Act. You know, when when the vet would say, "Okay, this one needs SMZs for five days," like I would make sure that it was being taken care of. If I didn't do it myself, then at the barn and make sure that they had all the drugs and everything. So at one point, I had thought, "Oh well, should I go back to school and become a vet tech?" Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and pursue doing that. But when I sat back and looked at what kind of value, like I was making very good money, and it really wasn't going to add anything more 
to what I would make at Blue Chip. So it was like, well, is this going to serve me going forward into a different industry or what? So I really had to have that conversation with myself because I would have enjoyed going back and doing that, but it would have put a lot of stress between my job. I probably would have had to give up riding. Mm -hmm. And so I made that choice not to. And you know, it it didn't hurt me, but like I do think that people need to have a conversation with themselves about is it going to add value to what they're Absolutely. doing? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That value added, not just chasing the degree. And and there's a lot of certifications you can get too, not just chasing mm-hmm. the certificate. Um, and also looking at alternate routes. So for example, um, of any number of former students that wanted to do the vet tech thing and they went to Florida or Kentucky where you don't have to have a vet tech license to do that work, but they needed that equine science and they, they had management too, which is, you know, wonderful compliment. And, and so, and they were in a place where moving, you know, wasn't an issue. So, you know, it, it is really important to, especially when you're going back to school to really think about what is the market? What would I do? Um, how much of a difference would this really make? Mm-hmm. Do you think that the edu- that education is valued enough in the equine industry? So the where I get caught off is the valued and en- the enough part. <laughs> 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 I think knowledge is valued. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that skills are valued. I think hard work is valued. So when you in higher education, the goal, the end product is a student who is graduating with more of that than they entered in. And, you know, having done that for 28 years, the the change in students um, from a freshman to a senior, and at one point we just had a two-year degree program, um, but the change in the four years, remarkable, so different, so mm-hmm. different. And, and I think that's where people don't, um, necessarily think enough about what a degree is you know right we do want that degree to pay off in the job and do that but it's about life it's about becoming an adult right becoming an adult I mean I have often used the analogy that it's a driver's license for life you know that (laughs) you you get your driver's license and you're not an expert driver at all but I'm going to trust you a lot more on the road than if you didn't have it and some people are going to be speed demons and some people are not they're going to have you know different expertise level but I you know from employers to a T when I talk to them about they want they want a hard worker who understands, can think critically, can problem solve on their feet, can communicate both verbally and written, and is trustworthy. So part of getting a degree is you had to show up to class. You had to do these things. You had mm-hmm. to, you know, you had to cut, you know, you had to hit these marks. You had to do that stuff. And along the yeah. way, you had people that said, no, that's not good enough. You got to go and do it again. And we're going to push you really hard to do that. And you, you got to show up the next day if you want to, you know, if you want to um, continue on. And that's what I think people really value. And that's what you get from a good college education. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, the like you said the motivation and the um self-reliance and you know the only one who can make it happen and make it successful is you and you know your parents aren't there making sure you get up for school every morning and <laughs> making sure you do your homework so i think that's 
the biggest part of the college experience. And I, you know, I think from there, I don't know if high, you know, higher education in a lot of the industry jobs is valued. I don't think it's put as, um, its importance isn't as high as it would be in other industries, um, like in finance and business and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, Are we seeing any trend though towards um, employers liking to see college and like riding, working, horse experience um, going into the equine industry? Have you seen that at all? Like where they're trending more towards wanting both versus just somebody who's not going to go to college at all and comes with experience? Yeah, I I certainly did in all the years that I was there. And and then uh, of course now I intersect a lot with employers and former students and, uh, you know, people that are looking for things. And um, I definitely, in the time that I was um, doing job placement with students, it was definitely a switch over and more and more it was they specifically wanted someone with a four-year degree. Now, interestingly, I'm not so sure that it mattered what the degree was. I want a horse person with a degree. I want a degree. And it's about the skills. So, you know, the equine industry is the most multidisciplinary industry that there is out there. As far as I'm concerned, you can, can you can combine horse with anything you know, yeah. and find a career path. And if you're, um, you know, if you're a hard worker and you know how to get things done, uh, the what employers would typically say is, that's what I want. I can teach them those other things. Employers, I'm not sure maybe once or twice in my, you know, 28 years of placing students, did I get somebody that called and wanted a writer? I mean, they don't want the writers. <laughs> you know, they've got a business and they're looking for somebody to, you know, grooms were pretty common. And, and I think people underestimate what a groom means. I mean, a grooms are, I mean, they're, they're essential. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you, all those things that come with a college degree in addition to the horse skills. So that's probably what I'd hear more often is, that that college degree is um, gives them a baseline of knowing that they're going to come with these essential skills and then teach them the other stuff, you know, and then you get into specific industries. So do pharmaceutical and uh, nutraceutical and nutrition companies. Yeah. You know, and not the bachelors, they typically, you know, are, are interested in a kid that, or I shouldn't say a kid, a student that also is thinking about a master's degree. Um, so in those fields, you know, absolutely, um, you know, more so. And, and what I would always say too, is you, you don't want not having a degree to be a barrier to something. And I think part somewhere along the line, when I hadn't yet decided what I was going to do with my PH, do in a PhD in, um, but I knew I wanted to do that. I had a group of four women who were strong female mentors of mine at the college that I was at, who pulled me aside, took me to lunch and said, you get that PhD, you get it. Because they had all in their later years been in positions where they could have done some other stuff, but they didn't have the PhD. Mm, Interesting. And they didn't want that to happen to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get a little of the clump thinking about it. I mean, they were strong women and, you know, that really, I was going to anyway, but that gut instinct of there's another reason, you know, so not having the bachelor's degree, I think is a hindrance, especially when you look at transferability. So a person who is a great force person, but they don't have those other skills. And I'm, you know, math, science, uh, literary, you know, all these kinds of things that come into it. If they get hurt, if they get injured, they think this yeah. is what they want to do. You know, there's there's not this other piece over here. But when you get a bachelor's degree, it opens up so many things. And, and people don't necessarily realize that only about one third of the U.S. population has a bachelor's degree. Really? Yeah, only like one something percent. I haven't looked at the statistics in the last mm. five years, but it's like less than two percent have a Ph.D., So you're setting yourself apart, even just by getting that bachelor's degree and then the master's and then the PhD, you're opening yourselves up to places too, for which that's either you already have, it's not a barrier, what your level Mm -hmm. of education is. And um, it also means that you're coming in and you have this other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Back to the, you know, the horse skills versus the, the life skills. Um, I have had experiences where uh, people who have been really involved in the horse industry um, or they think they've been really involved in the horse industry feel like they know everything there is to know. Where college, our, my mantra was always be a sponge, not a rock, right? That, that, so if you're, if you're coming in with more of a critical understanding that you don't know everything and your job is to continue to learn, <laughs> you know, then um, I think that that's a difference too that the bachelor's degree brings versus the, um, you know, the not doing that. Right. And so many people understand that with horses, you're always learning. Like you never know everything about horses (laughs) or, you know, riding and things like that. So I think that applies there too. Yeah. And and there's so many ways now, you know, I, I talk a lot about the bachelor's degree and the traditional trajectory, but when we talk about debt load and things like that, I think we've also got to come back and realize that there's a whole lot of technical skills and expertise that you can get in, in good ways now um, mm-hmm. that can either become full-time jobs or can be secondary or tertiary jobs. I mean, I think the other part about the horse industry is I'm going to look at the, the four of us on the screen. Uh, many mm-hmm. of us do many things. <laughs> we don't just right. do, you know, one thing. And so diversification uh, is also, um, you know, an important part of you set up to add another business, to add another consulting, to add another um, uh, another income line or another income stream. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to do that um, through some of the certificate programs or certifications. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I always thought about, you know, going into college, you know, there's only, it was like a box, right? You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And I think that now um, people can kind of, customize it a little bit more, especially with those certification programs so that they can do um, things on the side and and have more ability to learn more and and just gain more experience. And you're not in a box. Like, I mean, I sell insurance. 
horse insurance, you know, and I'm a pharmaceutical rep <laughs> and we do the podcast. And, and so like, you know, I think that people need to realize too, that it's not just a box and, and you're, you know, only going to go and do this, that you can mm-hmm. open up doors by doing it. Yeah. How awesome is that? <laughs> right. And what would your advice be, um, you know, for someone just entering college versus someone who's already graduated and looking, you know, for that master's or PhD, you know, what would you say to them? Um, And, you know, how would it vary from, you know, a young person to someone who's already been working for a while? Yeah. Good question. The the young person entering to me, college is about um, figuring things out, figuring out what um, clicks for you in terms of career potential. And um, so taking a variety of things, you know, having a trajectory of what you want to do uh, coming in, but, you know, I'd say that yes, and there was studies out there. I, it's been too long since I've looked at it, but um, you know, the majority of people are not doing in their career what they got a degree in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people will say, "Well, then it's that was wasteful." Well, they know it's not because the college degree, as much as we think it's about to get you a job, um, it's really to make you employable and a good citizen, right? not, mm-hmm. not to get blank job. Um, so I think that um, every once in a while, you know, you have a, I would have a student who would come in and say, X is what I want to do, and I'm going to follow that trajectory, and they graduate, and they're doing it, and they love it. Mm-hmm. I'd say more often, you know, students take a variety of things, and they realize, wow, okay, I had to take that accounting class for my, uh, you know, my, my equine degree, my equine management degree. Man, I actually really liked that. They want to do accounting or finance. They still get their degree, but they then afterwards they realize they want to you know sit for the CPA or do something mm-hmm. like that. Or wow, I really like that psychology class. Well, that's awesome for teaching lessons and being you know PATH certified or any of the other things out there. But they might also decide they want to go in and do social work or you know masters of social. You know, they, there's so many things. Wow, they really liked teaching. They liked that education class. Whether mm-hmm. they combined it or they switched over or in instances went on and got their masters in it because masters is where you specialize. Bachelors is really supposed to be you know a little more wide open. So I think that's a time to do that. And and hopefully um, they are planning appropriately at that time for what they can and can't pay and, you know, getting that, you know, getting that degree path. The other thing that would be really critical in that process is that they persist to graduation. Um, Ideally, they don't switch colleges. You can switch majors within a college and oftentimes still graduate within four, four and a half years. But boy, it's a big money dump every time they change a college or change a major mm-hmm. degree. So those would be my advice for the undergraduate. For graduate, I think you've got to be, you've got to know why you're going to school. You've right. got to be specific. Um, and you have to have done your homework to know where that's going to get you. Um, so like you were saying, Connor, the, the, what is the, uh, you know, you, uh, you gain and lose with every choice you make. Um, so what are you, what are you gaining by doing it? What are you giving up by doing it? And what, what's really going to matter with that? And then, um, cost, you know, has to play in there as well. Accessibility, Mm -hmm. 
And then I would say, um, because there's a lot of online options now, and I think a lot of good online options, but I also think that there's some not great online options um, that, you know, you really, you really have to look carefully at those things. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any specific degrees that lend themselves to the equine industry? I do. I do. I think the good all around degrees are uh, equine that has a science emphasis or equine that has a business emphasis. Um, I think that those are probably two of the sort of natural splits. And usually even in a business emphasis, you're going to get some science and in a science emphasis, you're going to get some business. Um, So I think that those are well-suited, general and broad. Then you get into the specific specializations of of what what kind of programs are out there. Um, So there are places that you can go and they have a really strong breaking and training program or they have a really strong um, therapeutic, human therapeutic kind of program or they have a really good equine therapeutic program. Those are wonderful if... Uh, if you know that that's exactly what you want to do, because those are going to tunnel you in more. Mm. So my, the, the two thoughts then are the good general broad that lets you explore and you can do lots of things with it. Very versatile. Um, but you're not specialty in one thing. Mm-hmm. Then there's the ones that you're a specialty in one thing, but you're not going to get as much of that general broad base and potential transferability or movement into other areas. So I think that those ones that are the more specialty are, they're they're more challenging for me to see students in because they have to really (laughs) be able to feel like that is the thing that they want to do. And I'm always finding new things I want to do or, you know, thinking about things I want to do. And, um, and so for me, the versatility and the transferability are, um, are pretty key. But again, depending on what institution it is, um, you may be able to couple a more what I call specific career track with a general degree. And now, um, you know, any number of colleges have things like a um, two plus two program or a, um, a four plus one program or, you know, in your four years, you can also get X, Y and Z. And so I think that those, you know, looking enough to see what the options are um, is is good. And uh, I'll make a I'll make a plug here. <laughs> one of the um, links that I sent you, Connor, is a link to the Equine Education Network, which is something that my husband and I run with the Equus Foundation. And it's a free searchable database of all the equine offerings across the U.S. And uh, it gives you both geographically and then, you know, what um, what kinds of things they offer and what their degree programs are and their specialties and the the reason that we have that is because the it's so we we just so strongly believe that students and their families need to be able to easily access what all the options are because one equine degree is not the same as another equine degree and being able to really compare and contrast just like you would for a math major or an english major uh the equine has been a little more hidden right it's sort of like well where does it belong and how do you find it um so uh, looking at those and and being systematic, and then seeing where alumni have gone, what they've 
we've done is is pretty important. That's really interesting. You know, I was also just thinking about this, how we had a couple of veterinarians on recently and how they were talking about how they got no business in school. Meanwhile, we have these equine business programs out there and it's like interesting that that they're not getting any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've had some conversations about about that as well. Um, You know, talking about side gigs, I was a SCORE mentor for a while. SCORE is a free mentorship program um, to help. And I've I've had veterinarians who said, well, we we saw that you, you know, you're a PhD and you had equine and background and you understood animal science. And and then I do a lot of business planning and business stuff as well um, and, and came to that. I mean, to me, business is such a good base. I'm, you know, when, when we, the, the institution that I was at, when we were moving to a bachelor's degree program, I, you know, I believed and we built, and I still believe that business in my mind is a great coupler because what isn't business? Right. Out there. Yeah. I know I actually went into college um, for psychology and then I switched majors to business because I knew that I wasn't going to want to go through school so long. And I was like, what is the next best thing? So I did marketing and management. And then I didn't realize that they had a whole sports administration program. And that was like a really cool thing to find and and minor in. I wish I had known about it before I went to school because I probably would have majored in something like that because I like sports, but it also completely applies to the equine industry because look at all all these big venues that they need people to run. And that was basically what those courses were about. Yeah. Yeah, another great example. And you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So by looking at that, you know, things like marketing and promotion, social media, um, uh, not only a sports site, sports management, huge, you know, a whole nother part of it, um, but things like uh, the tourism trade and hospitality Mm -hmm. management. I mean, again, what can't you, what can't you combine? So I also think for students looking and, and families looking at colleges to see not only what they have with their equine offerings, but what other complementary kinds of things are out there. So it's not about choosing one or the other, but it's about coupling. You know, yeah. where, where can I, you know, dig in a little? And sometimes you can get a double major. You get a major, you can get a minor. And then the versatility and the transferability is is even larger. Yeah, I I think those are some great um the programs that you just mentioned and also things like um being trainers at like athletic trainers and mm-hmm. getting degrees in physical therapy because I think those are all things that relate to the equine industry and they can they they might be overlooked. I I know I certainly didn't think about it, but those those are all things now that I look back I'm like, "Oh, I, I totally could have done that. I would have loved to do that or be involved in that. And it's not just about like the horse, but it's about, you know, other jobs related that keep you in it. You know, I mean, look at all of the the high profile riders that have gotten hurt that need good physical therapists and you mm-hmm. understand their needs more than, than most people would than just somebody who went to school to be a physical therapist, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I like that how crazy all horse people are and need to get back on the horse and don't listen to doctor recommendations. <laughs> right. And that's why it's helpful to have a doctor or a sports psychologist or a sports therapist that actually speaks horse because yeah. they, you know, again, all these specialty niches. So one of the big things that I've pushed all through my um, career and when I do talks at places and, you know, articles and these things is that, um, 
you don't have to give up the horse. And I so worry from the future of our industry perspective that we get these great kids that come up through the youth and then they go to college. And as you said, it's like open up a catalog, pick a major, there goes the horses, unless you're studying horse. Um, But there's no reason to leave it behind. There's so many ways you can apply it, whether that's right away when you graduate or you kind of, you know, you still have that in your mind. And after you grow, you know, you're more established and you say, I'm going to do a specialty area in this, or I'm going to reach out, you know, to this audience because while I'm an architect, I'm also a horse person. While I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, this, I'm also a horse person. This, I'm also a horse person. And don't we just love talking to other horse people? You just get it in a way and you think about it differently. And so I can connect with you in a way that you couldn't otherwise, but I'm, but I'm primarily you know, doing it from a counseling or a therapy or a building your structure or, you know, um, you know, helping you through an injury. Yeah. I think um, probably a lot of our listeners are, you know, have already gotten their bachelor degree or, you know, have started businesses or working in business. And um, if they were to go for a master's program, what do you think is kind of the most useful, you know, for older, well, we'll say women, I think the vast majority of our audience is women, but, you know, for older women that, you know, either want to make a career change or think that a master's might, you know, help them get, uh, you know, better salary or something like that. Mm -hmm. How do you gauge, you know, what would be the most helpful? So again, it's got to come back in my mind to the reason for it. Um, Mm -hmm. The um, if you're not, if somebody currently, so I'll I'll use an example. I have I have someone who just reached out to me maybe two days ago, who's an alumna alum of mine, um, been out of the industry for quite some time, trying to figure out, you know, come back in. Do they need to? What should they get a master's? What should they do? And I always start, well, well, why do you think you need that degree? What is it that you're trying to do and and break into? Because if they already have a bachelor's degree, if they don't have any horse skills at all, and so they love horses, but they want horse skills, a master's isn't going to help them. Um, so you have to think about, you know, what that is. Just getting a great degree to get a degree doesn't make sense unless it's for your own self-confidence. And then it makes mm-hmm. total sense. If you want to, you just want to have that, then by gosh, do it, you know, um, as long as you can afford it and as long as it, you know, it makes sense in that. But there's lots of other ways. Again, if you've already had that bachelor's degree and now you want to come back in besides the master's, um, I think that. If you're going to come back in and you want to get a master's degree, probably the most frequent places I would see that is a gateway. In other words, you need to have it to get in would be you want to do something in nutrition or pharmaceutical sales. You want to you want to and I don't shouldn't make sales. It's it's really customer service. It's really about teaching advocacy that then I think, you know, the the masters of science you know, gets you back in so you can read the technical journals, you, you know, you know, you know, those things you understand about research that makes total sense. And I would say you got to do that, um, that that would really make a difference. 
Um, and then there's on the business side. So a, mm-hmm. a, a master's of business, but you're going to get a general master's and it could be an MBA in marketing. It could be an MS in marketing. But what is it that you're missing that you don't currently have that you think the master's is going to get you? Or yeah. is it that what you really need to do is, is you know, go and work someplace, you know, for, for a while and, and do this. So it, to me, it's, it's more of a conversation about what is it that you're missing that you think the master's is going to do? And then where should you get that degree that makes the most sense and how to make the most out of your coursework? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be active right, in that education process as opposed to what's that, what are they going to give to me? It's what are you going to make of it? Do you think a master's is beneficial for a small business owner in order to be able to run their business better? Mm. (sighs) Or is that too hard of a question to answer because it's so individual? um, No, no. I think um, there are so many great options now that are free or low cost for small business owners mm-hmm. to improve their business skills. I would right away be doing SBA and SBDC. So SBA is the Small Business Association and SBDC is the Small Business Development Centers. They're pretty much in every state and every community out there and they're largely totally free mm-hmm. um, to utilize services. But then they have a number of courses and things like that and that that you can connect with and you can take courses on business planning, management, HR development. So I would my gut reaction would be first to to do that piece. Um, mm. If you wanted to, for example, get into grant writing, then maybe you know for a small business, if you were not for profit, maybe that would make a difference. So I don't think there's a general blanket statement. Um, Usually the MBA is more for, uh, I see it less from a small business and how can I progress um, than I do for you're in a particular trajectory. Now, having Mm -hmm. said that, I'm going to totally go the opposite direction and say that education in general changes you. Mm -hmm. And so the master's degree will largely make you uh, develop your thinking skills and your problem solving right. skills and seeing the universe in a bigger place. And you will largely, if you're a small business owner and get an MBA, realize there's a host of other things you could be doing or ways to generate revenue and do all of that kind of stuff. So if you're looking, if you are a lifelong learner and you're saying, I want to constantly know how I can grow and expand my business and reach new audiences and do new things, then I would say an MBA could be really worth it. Mm-hmm. So I, does that make sense? I, I, it does. It's really about yeah. the purpose and right. why are you doing it? I mean, I'm I'm totally about, you know, lifelong learning. And amazingly, we live in a world now where you can get, you can access a lot of things without having to do a master's, but they're not the same. Mm. Yeah. And the skills needed to accomplish them aren't the same. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and in a master's degree program, you're getting professors, you're getting advisors, you're getting somebody who's going to push you critically. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody comes to me to help me help and they want me to help them, you know, analyze a business plan or write a business plan, I'm I'm just a mentor. I'm not their educator. Right? There's something mm-hmm. very different about that. Right. So I'm going to encourage and give some stuff. But that's very different than me, you know, coming back as a teacher and saying, 
this is not correct. This is, there's other ways to do that. Let's think mm-hmm. more broadly. So you're also in that dollar that you're paying, you're getting someone who's going to push you yeah. to think differently. It's interesting. I know two veterinarians that actually went back and got their MBA and they're in the pharmaceutical industry. And I think that it's, um, they have a different perspective about things now. So they look at it like a vet, but they also look at it like products um, for product development and marketing them. And they have a very different approach to it from vets, some of the vets that I've worked with who don't yeah. have an MBA. Like they, right. they're really thinking about it as being a business. Yeah. And- so that's a great example of a purposeful coupling. You're mm-hmm. a veterinarian but you, you're missing your business skills and you know how much that will enhance your business to do that. Just like I think that some um, people who are vet techs and a business together can be really good because then not only are you helping with the vet tech side, but you're also able to do the business side. So that's because it, it does, it changes your way of thinking. That's what education is supposed to do. It's to broaden and enhance. Yeah, that makes sense. And there are, um, you know, things there, as you mentioned, grants and scholarships. um, And because we are a largely female audience, uh, and that's true in the horse industry, um, there are any number of women-owned business grants. So if you uh, are a small business owner, a number of them will support higher education and scholarships that are specifically, and also for change of trajectory. So the older female, the female who's, you know, who's had changes and going on. So um, those are all great things and to be tapping into and looking at. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that was really useful information that I think a lot of people can take and um, help them make decisions for whether they pursue higher education or not. So we really appreciate that. And at the end of every episode, we ask the same four questions to each guest and Connor starts with the first. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Great question. I would say um, both pay it forward and reach back. So looking at uh, people that are mentors or people that could be mentors, finding those people and, you know, saying, hey, you know, I really, I really admire you. I'd like to sit and have a talk. I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. And then as, as paying it forward piece is that you as a female do that, that you say yes to those and that you also look back at people that are coming up and, um, and or maybe struggling and or trying to break into something and really do that. You'll, you never gain, you, you really gain when you help and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a two way street and, and you'll learn something new about yourself while you're helping other people. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I'm always thinking about how can I leave the world a better place? And that may sound very, um, I don't know, what's, what's the word, uh, untainable or something, but I, I grew up with that mentality. My parents always said, you know, this is our job, you know, leave, whether it's the place you're sitting at right now or whether it's the universe, leave the place better than you found it. And so I'm very philanthropic in that way. And, and most of my work in the past and certainly my work now is all about um, 
I'm motivated to see how I can help and see how I can improve and uh, and weigh whatever I'm doing. So that's what motivates me. Great. That's nice. What's your favorite horse movie? Ah, yes. I was thinking about this. So the first one that comes to mind um, is, um, uh, uh, is, oh my gosh, it just went in and out of my head. Lady Hawk. So Lady Hawk, you may not think of as a horse movie, but it was a movie that really had a big input impact on me. So I encourage you to look at that. And then um, champions would be next. And then um, uh, that that was a, a, a movie quite some time ago and really good. And then uh, the last is Seabiscuit. And mm-hmm. I watched Seabiscuit the night before I went in to um, have my littlest kiddo. So uh, <laughs> horses sort of started with me when I was young with Lady Hawk and uh, and then have, have carried me carried me throughout. So awesome. and they're largely about, you know, horses changing people's lives. So. And right. what, well, what I love about it is whenever I ask that question, we hardly ever get one response. Like people oh, think, like you, there's like two or three or they're like, I oh know. my God, this is it. It's hard. No, but this one too. <laughs> I know for different mm-hmm. reasons. Yep. But yeah, Lady Lady Hawk turned me on to Frisians. I never knew about Frisians before and just been pretty awesome. So oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. And who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? So I can't just give one name either. That's fine. We like lots of suggestions. <laughs> yeah, too. I know. Um, so the first is Rebecca Jemens, who um, I just finished doing a technical large animal equine rescue awareness program for her. Uh, with her, she's uh, pretty phenomenal. I think she has a lot to offer about women in business and um, breaking some barriers and doing all that. And then the other is Deanna Mancuso, who has Lucky Orphans, which is a horse rescue and um, has a business model that I think a lot of people could learn from about how you think differently about what you're doing in nonprofits and the importance of um, really knowing your community. Hmm. Great. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about you know what you do and how education can help people in our industry and hopefully help some of our listeners too. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate all you do. Thank you. You too. I really like talking to Corinne today. um, And she, I think gave a really balanced view of how education can help, you know, obviously a bachelor's she feels is really important as do I, um, but also, you know, looking at beyond that in a master's and a PhD. And I really loved her advice of making sure that it's purposeful and that there's a reason for you doing it. Um, instead of just saying, oh, I need a master's just to have a master's. It's, you know, how is it going to help you? How is it going to propel you in your career? Or how is it going to help you become a better person? Um, I thought that was really interesting and and great advice. Yeah, I think that, you know, not being wasteful because it is expensive to do it. So make sure that it's something that you want to do and it is going to bring something to you. I think, like I I said in it, I had to make that decision about, you know, getting my going back to become a vet tech and getting that degree or if I was, if it was going to add value to my job. And, you know, ultimately I've, I figured out it wasn't going to add to my job at the time. 
Um, but you know, I feel like this is something that so relates to like what we're trying to get across, right? Like there's so many different things that you can do in the equine industry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she gave some great advice on some other degrees or programs that, you know, we could do. I think we had, that was a nice part of our chat with her about, you know, science and business, but also, you know, you can be an architect and be a horse person and and mm-hmm. have it relate to the, to the industry. For sure. And, you know, for either young people or people who want a change of career, I think it's good advice and how they can, you know, use education to help them make decisions and guide where they want to go in their career. Yeah. And it's, it's not, I I like too, that, that employers are kind of asking, they want a degree, they want a degree in something um, that they're, you know, realizing there is growth that has to be done. And I think that was a major part of it because I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, it's expensive. And why would I go to school? Well, you're going to grow as a person, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to figure out how to do all the things yourself. And those are life skills. That's not just like school skills. And that's not just, um, you know, to get a degree. That's, those are things you're going to carry with you. I mean, so many young people I know who are under 18 before they go to school have no idea how to do time management. And you think like, you look at them and you're like, oh my gosh, are they even going to make it through school? Like they have to show up for class. Right. And they do. And, and it's like really important. Right. And I think, uh, learning about consequences and, (laughs) you know, the consequences for your action and taking responsibility for what you do because, you know, other people aren't going to do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Responsibility Mm -hmm. part of it. And one thing that I really, really liked what she said at the end was about paying it forward and reaching it back. Mm -hmm. And I think about paying it forward a lot because um, do you remember when we were in college and we went to see Dr. Coach Moore made us go see that movie. I don't know if everybody went, but the I know pay it forward the pay it forward movie. Yes. Yes. And I always think about that um, because <laughs> that was like a pretty Im- impactful thing uh, in school. And, and like that coach Moore <laughs> right. had, was the one who sent us to, to watch it. Um, but then also like reaching back because, you know, it's, it goes both ways. Totally. And I mean, I have a, people reach out to me a lot just to talk about the industry and my job and what I do, and and they just want to hear about it to see if they think they might be interested in that, or you know, like young. A lot of it is you know, young women either late high school or college or just graduated, and how can they? What's the next step and that sort of thing. So, um. I do a lot of phone calls with people to talk about it. And um, so I, but I find that it helps me too in being able to talk about it and talk through it with people. And, um, and I hope it makes an impact for someone else too. Yeah. I mean, basically that's what we want to do is be impactful. Mm-hmm. Make a difference. So Absolutely. 
it helps a little bit. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time for today. So we're going to wrap up and um, you can find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. So you can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find the Equestrian B2B podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And when you're there, be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a review so other people can find us too. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go pursue your education. 